Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Dave Webster, who's the chairman of 79th Resources, one of the fastest growing natural resources companies in West Africa, exploring and identifying gold deposits in and around the region. Dave is a natural leader and previously one of the largest private landlords in the UK. Um, and he's over 27 years experience in the property sector, sector as both a developer and a landlord. I'm really interested to um, hear his entrepreneurial journey and why he's moved into the natural resources industry. Um, And he would tell us a little bit about 79th Resources and what they're looking to achieve in West Africa. So that's welcome, Dave, to the podcast. How are you doing, Dave? I'm very well, Rob. Nice to be here. Thank you. And yourself. So as we always start, how we start these podcasts off, and I'm really interested to hear your diverse background. I want to even give uh, give our audience an overview of your career. And like I said, you, you were involved in the property industry um, initially, and now you moved into the uh, resources sector. So I want to give, a, give our audience a big overview of your, of your career and your background. Um, okay, um, I'll try and keep it short. Um, always been involved in retail. My father was a genius. I uh, could make money from a used cup. You know, he was just like that. So, you you know, and he worked hard and you pick up um, your education off people like that, Rob, you know, and how to buy for a penny and sell for a pound or, you know, buy cheap and sell for more, you know. Um, but I think the retail space we were in, it was me and my brother at the time, and um, we did well. This is back in the 80s, 90s and what have you. And then the margins were good and you know, everything was good. The UK was great. Everyone was happy. Uh, seems forever ago, that, doesn't it? You know, but, um, and then you learn. And then all of a sudden, you apply that sort of business mentality to a different space. So we started buying uh, rundown houses at the auctions in Liverpool and then doing them up and then re- refinancing them, remortgaging them, remortgage. But that's only because you, you understand the space and what's going to happen in that sector. You've got to do your homework. You've got to know your exit route before you buy. So we make sure that we de-risk by doing that. I know exactly what we're going to do as a company. With every asset we buy, I know what I'm going to do with it. But I don't put all our eggs in one basket. It's either plan A, plan B, plan C. But every one of them is profitable, okay, if we get it right. So I moved on from that to a development company with my brother, um, we developed a lot of property. I mean, it was hundreds of millions of pounds worth. Um, and I, I kept a huge portfolio. Uh, I think it was about 800 properties in the end, um, which was great. Massive income. Um, did well. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's disruption in the market and your taxes start creeping up and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that was a good space. We enjoyed that. Great fun. And then um, after I retired at 40, 41, but I've never been so bored in my life, Rob. So I came back into the business, tried a few new things because I've been doing property for that long. Uh, I didn't really want to do it anymore because I've been doing it 20 years. We did really well. I mean, very, very wealthy, uh, me and my brother. Um, 
And then I got asked to be um, consult uh, for a huge law firm called SNR Dentons in London, who were one of the biggest global law firms on earth. Um, and they asked me to go in into Africa and protect some deals that were going on there for some of their clients. Um, they said they wanted a no frills, no BS type guy to make sure everything was good. But when I landed over there, Rob, it made sense to me over there. Do you know why? It's just land. It's, same, it's the same land they used to buy in Liverpool or in England, but it had a different type of value. It's still land. But in England and the UK, we go up. In Africa, you dig down. Quite simple. So it made sense for me. Nine years later, we're here where we are today, you know. But um, I think the journey in Africa has been a tough one, though. I'll tell you that. Yeah, you said enough. I'm sure we're going to cover that in our uh, discussion now. So I wondered if you can give us an overview of the company, 79th Resources, um, so our, our audience understands the background of, of the company um, when you started it nine years ago. So I just want to give us a, a brief overview of the company um, from when you started to sort of present day. Well, believe it or not, Rob, 79th Resources and the 79th brand's only been sort of, I think it's only been trading or active for like three or four years, believe it or not. But the journey starts nine years ago, back to the Lord when I was asked to go to Africa as a consultant. And then I saw opportunities. And then you listen to what's happening in the world economy. You listen to the miners. You listen to the, the authorities, what they need, what people around the world need. And you put it all together. And then you spot ripples in the water from like your, your Brexit, your wars, your Trumps getting becoming presidents, and now, you know, your COVIDs and all the rest of it. And what that does, it makes the world a very turbulent place to operate, very fluid. So you can't, re you don't really know what's going to happen the year after or the year after. So I disengaged from real estate pretty much altogether because most of our developments that we were targeting were too long. They were a year or two years. So we are pulled out of that and focused on the on the resources space in Africa and got on the ground with a good, great bunch of lads, all ex-military guys and all that, brilliant boys they were. Um, but then my son was there and we were just um, um, a combination of small-scale mining on a limited budget out of our own pockets and trading gold, selling it around the world, you know, and diamonds and what have you. And then you learn, you learn. But I find in business, Rob, it's not about what you know, it's about, it's about what you don't know and how not to make mistakes again. I don't think anyone should be penalized for making a mistake. Just don't make it twice. My dad's favorite saying to me as a child, you know. Um, so we found ourselves on the ground. We set up a mining plant out of our own pockets, but we believed in what we were doing. And then those ripples got into small waves and those waves got into bigger waves. And we stuck at it. And it was my eldest son who said, why are we only trading? Why are we the middlemen? Let's go and build our war chest up in the UK. Let's believe in ourselves. And he was right. And let's come back and buy all of the land instead. It just makes more sense because we knew the world was going to need those minerals, Rob. It makes sense to us that because of the world's disruption. Um, so the 79th group mentions you're using the distress asset acquisition model which I suppose is similar to what you did in the property sector. Yeah. Um, can you sort of discuss what that means in practice? Um, obviously, if you want to discuss an issue about the property sector, then what you're doing in the mining sector. Um, okay. In, in the, the, the word mining doesn't really describe us as a company. We don't want to mine. 
We don't want to hurt the earth. That's not us. We want to make the earth better. We want to feed the people on the way, the communities. We want to do some good with our business because our margins are huge. We've got huge margins. All mining companies, established mining companies, have huge margins, profit margins. I'm staggered they don't do more good with the local communities. But too many people, for me, Rob, want to keep the poor community poor so they can be controlled. In actual fact, you get better results and a better friendship and a better business if you're good to them people and you ed- you educate them, you feed them, you clothe them, you give them a job, you give them their dignity back. It be- believe it or not, it works better that way in this modern world, okay? So we find ourselves in a space where I, I need to go back five years again or six years. We stayed, me and my son, we stayed in Africa when Ebola hit. Every other company, financier, Western company, financier, whatever, asset managers, they couldn't get on their private jets quick enough. Get out of there. I remember saying to my boy, Jake, I said, you know what the smart thing to do is? Stay and get that goodwill. Well, we get goodwill back now in buckets full, Rob, because of how we help those people. Got you. And obviously, during during that time you stayed, what, I suppose, what presence did you have during that time? If everyone left, what were you doing with some of these local communities and, and obviously building up that goodwill? Well, it was like Christmas Day for us every day because they all left. The local miners, the artisanal miners, they still needed somebody to sell their gold to. Well, we had a few pounds in our pockets, a few dollars. So we became the buyer because everybody else had left in a hurry so they don't get infected by Ebola. We stayed and we just got offered tons and tons of gold or lots and lots of gold. So then we found ourselves a buyer, which was a huge a, I mean, huge uh, oil trading company who, I, for confidentiality reasons, I can't mention their name. Um, but they were, I mean, bigger than Apple. They had reserves bigger than Apple. They were wealth, a big, wealthy outfit. But And then we were selling a lot of gold every week. We were doing well. But it was only, when I say well, we were making about $15,000, $20,000 a week or whatever it was. But it sounds a lot, but it's not a lot if you're putting your life at risk, Rob. So we wanted more. And that's why we pulled out of that space and said, you know what? This is not good enough. Let's go and get our get our checkbook ready. Let's come back because we spotted ripples in the water. After the Ebola, then you had your Brexit, then you had your Trumps, and then you got your wars, and then you got your COVID. Now you've got your, your Russia-Ukraine war. These all affect minerals. And we knew it because we'd had the education Prior in the Ebola crisis, we saw what it did to the mining industry. It decimated it because all of the all the financiers just ran for cover. So we stayed for that reason to get that goodwill, and now we have more than anyone. And that's why our footprint is huge in Africa. I can buy gold mines, gold permits, bauxite permits, oil. I can buy them with a text message. Other people have to send a private jet in with lawyers and all the rest of it. If it's a straight race, Rob, between me. And a blue chip mining company, I'll have the deal done before they even get the lawyers in country. Yeah. One thing you can uh, tell our audience about some of the assets that you do, that you do have, and sort of, I suppose, some of the projects that you're involved in. Well, you, you mean in, um, in Africa, you mean? Yeah. Um, okay. I think at the moment, we've, we, I think we own 18 or 19 uh, mining concessions or permits. Depends what you call them these days. Um, we only need one of them to be reasonably successful and we're into profit. We know that. But we make sure we buy in very strategic areas where all of our neighbors are doing well. 
So there's evidence. Then I bring the world's best geologists in, the SRK group, just to double down and make sure I'm not losing my mind and make sure everything's completely as it should be. So then I sleep better. So we do it that way. And then I, the best bit for me is that we, we understand what the world needs. We get calls all the time from huge companies, global companies saying, we need oil, we need bauxite, we need iron ore. Well, I'll pick up the phone and I'll just order it. It's that simple for me. You know, 500 square kilometers of bauxite, which is aluminium. You know, it's the ore that aluminium is made out of. Look at the price of aluminium over the last year and a half. It's gone through the roof, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Um, and obviously, before we were talking, uh, uh, when we were talking off air, you were mentioning, uh, we were talking about, obviously, landowners and you having good relationship with a lot of the landowners that you, that you, where you have these assets. And it was interesting what, what you had to say about treating how you treat the landowners and um, their relationship with obviously the governments. And it was interesting what, what you were saying. And I wonder if you can just sort of reiterate all of that. All right. Uh, well, I think if I think if I'm not sure if you've seen any of them, but we put quite a lot of posts out. My marketing team puts a lot of videos out that I've taken personally, where you'll see me on the ground on our permits. I insist in going to see every permit myself with the geologist from SRK, because I want to see it with my own eyes. It's the way I was brought up. I want to just see it. I want to feel it. You know, it's so it's real, so it's tangible. And what happens is these communities have rights to our land, which is um, indigenous rights, if you like, or local laws. Uh, they have rights to feed themselves on my land. But I technically, I suppose, I'm their landlord. Okay, so what I do is go and introduce ourselves. This is who we're at. And then I ask them what they need to make their lives better because I know the first thing they want is income. I know for a fact they need income. So I give them a job, you know, but the average wage in Guinea, Rob, is a dollar a day. Well, it's I'm not going to miss five dollars a day per person, you know, so I don't mind doing that because you're getting their loyalty. You're getting their security. We're one of the few companies, Rob, who does not have armed guards with us. In, in West Africa, we don't need them. We've got the communities behind us. They are your best security. They always have been. Because if you're helping them, they will watch your back. And I've spent nine years getting it right with these people. They watch on my back, I watch theirs. It's quite simple. It's more of a JV than you'd know, actually. Yeah. Have you learned uh, what you're doing in Africa, um, and especially, obviously, in the resources sector, have you learned a lot of lessons from being a successful property developer uh, and landlord using those skills that you've learned and then transferring them to the, the, the mining industry, obviously with a few differences. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I do liking the mining industry to the real estate industry. As I say, they both start with land, right? So that makes sense in the Webster brain, okay? But what I've learned in the mining industry is that it's it's it has been historically full of people who are not honourable, who don't have integrity, who are not decent people. They're greedy. And greed takes over in the mining industry more than anything I've ever seen, okay? Because the numbers can be huge. It's seven zeros. It's not six, you know? So I've learned to um, adapt to that and realise that the local people are the key to everything, if that makes sense. But you run that business from outside of Africa. It's got to marry up with the Western... Um, Systems, if, you, if that's the right word, the systems. So you have to create a marriage between African ways 
and the Western business culture. You've got to marry the two together. Unfortunately, the only way to do that is employ super expensive law firms and super expensive geology firms. But I'll tell you what, you sleep a lot better. But I'm following my instinct more than ever now because I feel like I'm a, I hate to use this phrase, but like a child in a sweet shop a little bit because I'm so excited because every day of my life, Someone from a government in West Africa will call me and say, we've got nine mining concessions. They've had a fortune spent on them. Will you please rescue them? Of course, as long as the minerals are in the ground, but I want my experts to see it first. So my instinct is being used more than ever, but I still double down and make sure with the experts and the scientists also. Yeah. And I suppose like any business, any business, it's the people. And as a successful landlord, I'd imagine you treat your you treat your tenants well, and in return, they look after your properties. And I think Abs- you're taking absolutely. that into the mining sector, where you're looking after the landowners, the community, because, of, like you said, if you look after them, they look after you. And it yeah. seems you're seems you're you're bringing that from the property sector into the mining sector. And I think I think because you've had that experience. I would say a lot of, and it's not disrespect to anyone in the mining industry, um, but because you've been on the ground doing that in the property sector, um, it comes naturally yeah. into yeah. the mining sector, and you're probably you're probably looking at it more closely than someone who's always been in mining. You're, you're probably looking at it more closer. I, do you know what, Rob? It's funny because you've just I've just had like a bit of a moment there where you've reminded me of what I used to do with my my tenants, my portfolio back in the day, like 15 years ago, wherever it was. I used to reduce my rent on my properties. And do you know why? I didn't want my tenant to be struggling for the rent because if they treated my property as their own, they used to decorate it themselves. They used to furnish it themselves. They wouldn't bother me. But even in the mining space, I'm not here to pay taxes to governments around the world. We're here, I'm here to do well for my family and for my investor base. And there's a lot of investors around us at the moment because we're doing well and the world, the word's out. But I realized very quickly back in my real estate days, if you generally are good to your tenants and you treat them with respect, they will be good to your property. But the pro, you know, I didn't want to make a lot of profit back in the day in my real estate days because my tax band had gone through the roof. So I didn't, why would I want to earn a hundred pound extra off a tenant? And, you know, I was only getting 20 pound of it. That made no sense to me when I could drop the rent a hundred pounds, but the tenant will put 75 pound value back into my property. Therefore, everybody, everyone's happy, you know? So, but it's the same idea again with the government, uh, um, with the mining space, which is why we always remain non-political. We don't need the government's uh, okay on this. We don't need their rubber stamp on this. The people are the power in Africa. It's generally tribal Muslim or tribal of some religion, but they tend to, um, I wouldn't say control the governments, but they they are really listened to by the governments out there who generally don't go against the tribal leaders, in my opinion, but the tribal leaders are the landowners. So what did I do? Everybody else went government. Um, and I hear it all the time in Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Oh, here's a picture of me with the president. That horrifies me. Good luck to you. If that works for you, good luck to you. But I'd rather show a picture of the local landowner who owns 10 million acres. That's more value to me, Rob. Yeah, now I completely understand 
Um, I wonder if you can sort of sum, summarise some of the strengths of uh, 79th Resources assets um, and how does 79, 79th Resources plan to drive the concessions up the value chain? Um, I, I think if you look at two of our two flagship uh, concessions at the moment in Siguri, um, so in the Siguri Basin, um, they are heavily explored. They're showing good figures at the moment on ad hoc random sampling at its weakest, and the figures are still good. I'm very, very hopeful that one of those sites is going to give us great numbers, and that's how you add the value because you're on your way then to, a, as you well know, a resource estimate. Um, a 43101 report. We understand that, but I think the world's a different place right now. I don't think you need a three or four year journey on these anymore, Rob, because I think of the way the world's been affected by COVID and business is now desperate. I think with you, if you use the right companies like your SRK groups and your Ernst Youngs and your Deloitte's, like I use with some of the world's best law firms, I don't think you need a three year journey. I think it can be a 12 month journey. Now, if my next round of sampling um, comes back positive, which I already know it's going to, because I sampled it myself in country, so I know that with local with local geologists. So I've asked SRK just to come in and qualify globally, as you should do. I already know I will go straight to drilling then. I will cut out two or three spaces of geophysics and geochemistry, whatever you want to call it. You know, I'll go straight to drilling to identify a resource estimates. That then, for me, is every bit as good in the modern market as a 43101 report with the bells and whistles. You know why? Because most of the institutions and the buyers around the world are so desperate right now, they just need to see qualified evidence. They don't need to see this 500-page report anymore, Rob. It's too slow. We're speeding the job up now. What I've decided to do, because our two flagship sites, which are in the Sigori Basin, right next door to Anglo Gold Ashanti, I might add, literally one centimetre away, they're my neighbours, rather large company, I'm sure you've heard of them. The thing is, now I'm pushing out a huge exploration programme to qualify all of my sites globally with the big brands, the blue chip brands around the world. Why? Because I already know the figures on them. I'm just going to qualify it globally now. My diamond concessions, my bauxite concessions, we are going to be in a position soon, Rob, I would say six to 12 months, where I could probably alter the price of these commodities on the world stage. But I don't want to. We're an asset management company. Everything's going to stay in-house. So my investors, all of my investors have got a security blanket around them for life. So they've got a safety net. Um, you mentioned, obviously, some of the strategic partners that you work with. How did you come to choose some of those, like you said, SRK? How, with all the different, I suppose, disciplines, how did you um, decide to choose certain companies? Was there, were, were, were they leads of other people? Were they, is it just you doing your own due diligence and having a yeah. number of, um, um, I suppose, <laughs> bids for certain work? How, how did you sort of choose some of your strategic partners? Just, home, just homework, Rob. Just make the effort, find out, do your due diligence, spend more time making sure you don't make a mistake. And that's how I came across uh, SRK. For me, they are the best in the world what they do, especially their exploration team. What a brilliant bunch of human beings they are. But my God, mate, they know their stuff. 
They, they can spot it from a mile away. They know what's good about a piece of land. So, but I did my homework. Then I went to meet them in their head office, believe it or not, in Cardiff, of all places. And then I sat with them and sat with them and sat with them. And I'm sure they must have thought I was wasting their time. And I said, listen, I've got an idea. I'm going to go back into Africa and buy as many gold, diamond, bauxite, iron ore, cobalt, you name it. Soon it's coming. My instinct tells me the world is going to melt down. Okay. Everyone else said, you're mad. You're completely mad. And I did say to them at the same time, by the way, this was going back a couple of years ago, Rob, don't forget gold wasn't much above a thousand dollars and a troy ounce at the time. Look at it now, double and going up and up and up all the time. But instinct again. So we went back. I took these companies with me and the best thing I ever did, I ever did because they let they tell me that I'm on the right track to success, you know? Yeah. Um, can you talk through your experience investor fund? Um, our, our experience investor fund is something that we've been toying around with for a long, long time. And um, we, the current company, 79th Group, and the, the experience investor fund aren't connected whatsoever. Other than... The Webster's own 79th Group and the Webster's own the EIF. The the EIF in Gibraltar, which for me is one of the toughest jurisdictions to be regulated on earth right now because of the type of business going through there, which is new business, online gaming, cryptocurrencies, regulatory hotspot. They know their stuff out there, but such a small jurisdiction under UK law and with a side door into the UK business arena, if you like, a lack of a better phrase. For me, it was important that we regulated that fund and placed that fund in a regulatory, sorry, domiciled in a place that differentiated us away from anyone else who would not take compliance seriously, take regulation seriously, take the law seriously. We've got no skeletons in our cupboard, Rob. And it's cost us a fortune to keep this company whiter than white at all stages. But you still get your cynics and your knives in the back. That's just Britain for you and the world for you, which in many places right now I find anti-business, but that's just me. But Gibraltar is a place where everything is positive. But I'm not going to lie, it took us six months to design that EIF to open up the door but um, high net worth equity investors to come and invest into the Webster family. Now, it carries a 79th brand, but that is the only connection to the 79th group. It's completely standalone. But as a direction of travel, we see ourselves going more that way very quickly into the equity world. That's why we did it. Um, why is the 79 Resources a member of the GFSC? Um, and what does it offer the group? Well, the GFSC, Gibraltar Financial Services Commission, is like, uh, what do I liken it to? The FCA in the UK, something like this, but it's even more strict. In my opinion, it's more strict. The rules and regulations of the GFSC are so clear and black and white, where most of the, in my opinion, in the UK, everything's down to interpretation. In the GFSC, it's not. It's black and white because until recently, it's part of it was under UK law and the EU law. So obviously you've got a marriage of two different law systems. So it, there was no gray area in it. And that's why I took it upon myself to either register in Abu Dhabi, which does not tolerate bad business or bad reputations or um, 
illegality or, you know, stuff like that. They won't tolerate it. The penalties are severe, but the same in Gibraltar also. These are very, very small places, Rob, and they can't, they can't accept bad business. They will only accept good business. And that's why I will not regulate in the Virgin Islands or the Bahamas or Frankfurt or Dublin. Anybody can do it there, but they can't get into Gibraltar. But working closely with the GFSC, through our lawyers, uh, Trier, who are I consider the best out there, that's my opinion, and our trustees and Deloitte and people of this ilk, it gives us a base out there to grow the company into the equity space. Now, my own board, with our, the amount of assets we have, and by the way, I've just reserved another 10 gold permits. I've just reserved two giant-sized oil fields. I'm after cobalt. I'm after bauxite. But what we do do is build in a lot of time into the business, Rob, so we don't have to panic sell. We are very, very careful what we do with our money and our investor money. So we're never, ever panic selling or panic buying or anything. We build time into that business. But in Gibraltar, you get amazing support and you get a fantastic set of rules where you would be an absolute fool to break them, I promise you. They would destroy you over that. couple more questions. How do you see the future of of mining or looking at resources within the West African region where obviously you're operating? I've just sat with two governments around the world. I won't name them. I sat with the ministers and their legal advisors who said what I agree with in the world, minerals have never been more important to the world. And I'm sorry that they're in the ground, fossil fuels, all the rest of it. I'm sorry we have to disturb the ground to get them out. But it doesn't mean you have to ruin the earth at the same time. You know, but I'll go on to that. Right now, all of this, we're going to go green overnight and all of hydrogen, nuclear, you're 15, 20 years away, Rob. No chance on earth are we going green within the next 15 to 20 years. It's not going to happen. But just to make sure my instinct was right, I then heard it from two senior ministers at two large governments. And they said, we need minerals now. Forget the rest. It ain't going to help. And lastly, um, what's the outlook uh, for Sentinel for resources over, I suppose, the remaining of the year going into next year um, and then moving forward over the next five or 10 years? I, I, feel, I, th- I think to answer that, I need to go back to the foundation slightly. It's important for me, as a, uh, if you look at group, which owns resources uh, in the UK, it's about the team. Like you've got people like uh, Natalie Bellis, who's our CEO. She's a regulatory compliance genius. That girl, she knows ESG policies. I have said to her, you make sure... My ESG policy is the best in Africa. I will not accept any less. And also, when we're finished with our land, we're going to backfill it. We'll crop it. There's another business in the box. Mining companies just want to just want to hurt the earth. There's no reason for it at all. You, if you've got the time, but then again, maybe we're a little bit more entrepreneurial, but I don't think it's the case. I think it's because we just care more. I think that is the reason. So if you plant crops after you, say you've extracted two tons of gold, what's hard about planting another 5,000 5, acres of corn or wheat or whatever, or cacao, and then share the profits with the local community? What an ESG dream. Well, that's the road we're going down. And we've just launched our ESG pol- uh, program in Guinea and 10,000 people turned up, Rob. So I was most proud of that. I think as part of the direction of the company, 
I think we've got a real chance here because we do it different. You know, I want I don't want to sell our commodities, you know, and then you've got this crypto world to deal with and all the rest. And people are approaching me going, let me build a token. Let me build a coin for you. And I'm going, listen, I just like land, you know, keep it simple, you know. So but the, for me, it's about buying a piece of land for 20 or 50 or 100,000 pounds. And then after two years, it's worth 93 billion or 92 million, or it doesn't matter the figure. That's my point. As long as it's worth a lot more than we pay for it, it doesn't matter as long as we're into profit somehow. But the price I pay for my sites, because I'm rescuing a failed operation, I get them for a penny in the pound and I get full approval from all the authorities. Why? Because we help the communities. It's most important. Yeah, there's some certainly some important lessons there to learn, and uh, hopefully our audience are taking a, a lot of notes because you you seem to be doing things differently to what the mining industry, I suppose, Absolutely. are doing anyway. So there's a lot of lessons to be learned. Dave, really appreciate your time uh, in obviously sharing your journey, and obviously love to, for you to come on the podcast later this year or next year and give us an update on how things are going. If our audience wants to reach out to you, if they've got any questions they want to ask you, how can they go about doing that? Are you and obviously you mentioned your social media? What social yeah. media platforms are you on? Um, we, I think we're basically using um, LinkedIn at the moment. Uh, do you know what, Rob? These days, do you know a simple question like that? That's a question that trips me up because <laughs> I have no idea how Natalie runs this company, but I know she runs it well, and I'm happy with that. Okay, but you know what? It's important. I'm laughing at with it. But it frees me up to pick up the phone and say, right, I know China and India are going to need more bauxite than they've ever needed in their history because they're storing it now. They're hoarding it in case it runs out because everybody's after the same minerals. My job for this company is oversight based on instinct and buying and selling. Everything else is run by geniuses. We've got brilliant compliance people. We've got great CEO, we've got a great MD, my son, we've got a great COO. The CVs pop off the page. Banking experience, compliance, regulatory. We know our way around. But unfortunately, you're asking the wrong person to explain it. <laughs> yeah, no worries. We'll include those in the show notes anyway. I'll, I'll get them. I'll get them off you after this. Uh, after this recording, and anyone that wants to reach out, just look at the show notes and obviously reach out to David if you've got any questions. I'm sure. He, I'm sure he's got more than happy to answer and and, and help and um, yeah. guide you in your in your way. I'm sure, Rob. I'm sure my team uh, who. Um, I think Phil, who you're in touch with, he can give you all the email addresses and all the rest of social media logins and all, or whatever they're called. My job, and I'm proud to say this because I don't want this to be a negative. This is a positive. Most companies our size, you've got to remember, I forgot to tell you, three years ago, Jake and I, my son, we believed in ourselves so much, we have £40 in the bank, okay, and for a load of assets. But we believe we knew what was coming. We read it. We could smell it. We were on the ground. Most mining companies, I doubt 50% of employees of mining companies have never been even into Africa or into a mining concession. I bet they don't even know what it looks like except from a picture. Well, we are on the ground, in the trenches with the locals every time we buy. And that's important because it gives it a human factor. It makes it real. But it also mitigates all the risk as well. 
because there's there's less chance of us making a mistake by my family being on the ground with the geologists, with the lawyers, with the compliance teams. I insist my my staff know exactly what we do for a living. It's not just a paper exercise. You know, I Rob, I've always heard in London, you know, these people who go, oh, I've got a mining company. It's in like the Shard and all this. I honestly, I am telling you, eight out of 10 of them, I've never even set foot in Africa. I guarantee it. It's all a paper exercise, but we are on the ground because I enjoy it. We And that's what it comes down to. It's fun for us, but we just are able to buy for a penny in the pounds because we've positioned ourselves there. I've got meetings in Sierra Leone. I've got meetings in Liberia. I've got meetings lined up in Ghana for the same reason. We give more back to the community. So the authorities have asked to meet us. So it's good. It's good what we do. But the funny thing is, Rob, even if I give 10, 15, 20% away off our bottom line, I'm still left with a margin of 40, 50% anyway. There's more than enough for everybody. Yeah. And you can also see you're passionate, passionate about this. Were you, were you as this passionate in your property business or would you say as you've got older and you just, and obviously now is the time that the mining industry needs a really good push. Um, are you more passionate now than where you were in say the property sector? Definitely. Definitely. Because back in the day in the property, it, it was too easy. I got bored with it easy. It was more, that was a paper exercise. You buy them on day one, you pick up the keys a year later. Okay. Easy, but it bored me. But this is different for one reason. I've got, I work with my two eldest sons. We have a laugh doing it. It's great fun. And the figures are huge on it. What's not to be passionate about because we get it right. And we have the world's biggest companies knocking on our door going, we are told that your family is the family to deal with to buy an oil field. They'd be correct. Now, don't get me wrong. We don't get every deal. Okay. But we've positioned ourselves to buy anything with undervalue. And that's significant. Because you don't want to go and overspend. You don't want to spend $20 million, Rob, when you can get a, a mining concession 50% as good with a 97% discount. We go for the discounted version, not the bells and whistles one, every time. Yeah, yeah understand. Dave, really wish you well uh, this year and obviously and the rest, of the rest of the years, but it'd be good to catch up later this year or next year and get an update from you. So uh, really appreciate your time. Uh, those that are listening, great episode here. A lot of things to uh, take away from here. And hopefully you can implement that in your um, day-to-day lives and just think things a little bit differently. And obviously Dave's raised quite a few interesting points there that are probably a little bit outside of the box. So uh, really appreciate his time. Uh, and those that are listening, appreciate your continued support. Can you share this episode amongst others in the industry? friends, family, anyone else that's interested in the mining industry um, so they can obviously learn and educate themselves around this obviously great industry that we're in. So until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.